Amen. Amen. Now, did you do that or did you just sing about it? Did you really just take a moment just then to really think about His goodness and His grace and His love? Could you do that just a moment? Without them singing, can you just lift your hands right now and close your eyes and think about how good God has really been to you? Think about His faithfulness. Think about His love that has allowed you to be in His presence again tonight and has brought you this far into His presence once more. God, we say thank you, Jesus. God, we worship you tonight. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Amen, amen, amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on Wednesday night. Amen. Earlier in the prayer room, I just couldn't help but thank God for Wednesday night. Amen. I know sometimes it's hard getting here and you feel like you're just getting in from work or maybe you came straight here from work. But to be able to come into the house of the Lord on midweek and just be in the presence of God and just refresh and renew yourself in the Lord. Amen. I'm thankful for Wednesday nights. Amen. Delighted to be here with all of you tonight. I'm thankful for the opportunity. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful weekend we had from HYC to our egg hunt and Easter Sunday. Amen. And I'm thankful for all that God is doing. Amen. I'm thankful. I don't ever want to miss an opportunity. And I want to take advantage of every opportunity that we have. Amen. We don't ever know when the last day will be, whether it's for me or you or all of us. Who knows? We don't know what tomorrow holds. Amen. So we don't ever want to take these services for granted. Amen. If you would, turn with me in your Bible to Titus chapter 2. I want to read verses 7 and 8 from Titus chapter 2. Amen. He said, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Show yourself a pattern of good works. And tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on that subject. A pattern of good works. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for your presence that is in this place. I pray right now, God, that you would give us direction. God, instruct us this night. God, I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay, God, to deliver your word and that you would open every heart and soul to receive this word. And we give you all the honor and the glory and praise tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated tonight. A pattern, a pattern is a repeated design. It's a routine. It's a consistent way. You can see patterns all over the place. You can see designs and consistency. And the whole chapter of Titus 2 
deals with what is said to be considered the Christian character in action. And it doesn't leave anybody out. If you would start from Titus 2 and begin reading, it's not very long before you find him addressing the elderly men. And then just a moment later, you find him addressing the elderly ladies, and then the young ladies, and then the young men. And he speaks of how each ought to live their lives. And he gives very practical things, and he gives some things that are a little more in-depth. He starts speaking to the senior men, and he says that they must be sober, or what means to learn what is and what is not true pleasures. And... Brother James Hughes has talked about what that word sober means so many times. And it's not just the way that we think of soberness in our vernacular today, but it means being of a sound mind, being in a place where you can think clearly. He said, the pleasures of self-indulgence cost far more than they are worth because you will pay a price that you don't really want to pay And when you can be soberly minded and think about those things, it causes you to evaluate everything that you're going to do in your life. He says, be serious. Now that doesn't mean that we walk around being killjoys and looking mad at the world. And, you know, sometimes on Wednesday nights, we, we look like we're serious and we mean business when we come into the house of the Lord. And somebody got on our nerves this morning and we've had Monday every day this week and we finally made it into the house of the Lord and you said well he told me to be serious the word said to be serious but this does not mean you walk around with your game face on and looking like you're mad at the world but rather it is the conduct to which one ought to carry themselves in light of eternity that when I come into the house of God and when I go out into my world I better mean business I've got to be serious about the life that I'm living. I've got to be intentional with being a father and being a husband and being a worker that everything I do, I ought to carry myself in a way that others can't look at me and and think negatively about me and they can't accuse me of anything because I'm living a life that is serious. I'm serious about living for God. Amen. He said, be prudent. This is the man with the mind that has everything under control. And you say, well, that's that's never me. I don't ever have anything under control. Well, if you give yourself an opportunity, just think about some things before you act. And if you would go back to what he talked about first, being sober-minded of a sound mind and thinking clearly, then you can be prudent. You can have a mindset that though things around you may be chaos, you have a good grip on things. And he said, I I believe that our senior men can live this life. He said he must be healthy in his faith. Through the years, the man, if he lives close enough to God, should realize his faith in God has not diminished, but only gotten stronger. He doesn't wait until he is old to get in shape, but it's been a way of life. He's healthy in his faith. He doesn't just live his life carelessly every day and wake up one day and says, I want to live healthy today. And it's done. I wish it was that easy. I wish we could wake up tomorrow and just say, I choose to just be healthy today. All my issues go away. All the 
cracks and sounds that come when I get up out of the bed and the joints that are tight. I'm just, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and that's going to be different in Jesus' name. And that would be great and that would be wonderful, but being healthy is a lifestyle choice. Well, if being healthy in the natural is a lifestyle choice that I have to make on a daily basis, then a healthy life of faith also is going to require me every day being intentional about the life I'm living for God and saying, I'm going to choose today to live a life that is healthy in faith. I'm going to choose to make sure that I'm living this way every day so that I can declare that I am healthy in faith. Scripture says he must be healthy in love. His years ought to bring increasing sympathy because he knows the challenges of life. The elder men know what hard knocks life can bring. It knows that tragedy can come around every corner. It knows how storms can batter you and wound you. And he says, if anybody ought to be compassionate to that, it ought to be you because you've been down that road before and you know what it's like. He said he must be healthy in fortitude. His years ought to bring him to a place where he is able to bear more and more. And God does not put this on him to crush him. But God says, I know what he can handle. I know what he can take upon his shoulders as a man of God because he is tried and true. He's a veteran in the faith. He's lived for me. He served me. And I know that he can handle this because he has endured some of life's toughest battles. And yet he's still here tonight. We have some elders that are in the house tonight that have endured some of life's hardest circumstances. And they're able to stand here tonight and lift their hands and sing. Was it always easy? No. Was it always perfect? Not at all. But they kept on and kept on and kept on. And because of that, God said, I can trust them with some things that they can shoulder and they can carry. And I'm going to put in them a burden that nobody else can carry because they can do it. Then he begins speaking to the senior women. He says, be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers or gossipers, not given to much wine, but teachers of good things or what could also be translated teacher of beautiful things. And if we take our scripture that we read from as a pattern of good works, it's more than just the things that they say. It's in the lifestyle that they live every day that is showing those things. That our ladies carry themselves in such a way where people look at her and think, my, what a holy person. What, what a way that she carries herself. And she doesn't go around talking about people. And she doesn't get on the internet and make nasty comments. And she doesn't carry herself in that way. She teaches good things. Beautiful things. And again, it's not enough for them to just be sober, to learn what it is, what's not true pleasures. But they need to teach the young women, Scripture says, to know the difference between pleasure and true pleasures. These elderly women, it's an opportunity they have in their actions to teach the young women to know how to live a godly lifestyle. To teach these young women what it is to pray and what it is to live a life for God and how to set yourself apart and why we do the things that we do. And we don't just do things because we see somebody do it, but it certainly helps 
if they're living a life that is an example to the words that they're speaking. He said, teach them to love their husbands and to love their children. Because loving husbands and children is not always an easy task, apparently. So he tells these elderly ladies, you've got to teach these young gals how to love their husbands and how to love their children. Young wives have to be taught. In the message translation, it says, by looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children. So you, you've got to, whether it's your children or whether it's somebody at church, that you live your life in such a way, the way that you love your spouse, while it should matter in your own home, it also matters to others outside because there are younger ladies that are coming up behind you that are watching how you love your spouse. They're watching how you love your children and they're watching how you respond when your child runs away and, and leaves the truth. And they're watching how you respond when circumstances come up that don't settle right with you. And they're watching to see how you respond. And so if you respond in a godly way and you respond in a loving way and you're loving your husband and you're loving your children and you're continuing to live a life for God, The scripture says those younger ladies are going to be looking to you and that is going to tell them what they need to know. It's not just the words that you're speaking while those are great. It's the life that you're living that's showing them, look, I've been where you are. I've had babies of my own. I've I've had a husband that was a knucklehead and let me show you how to take care of that. Fix him a plate of dinner, put it on the table and his attitude might turn around. You don't ever know what might happen if you love somebody like that. And when other people are around and they can see that, it makes such a difference in their life. It says to teach them to be discreet or of a sound mind, to be sane. Some of y'all are like, I don't know how to teach anybody to be sane. I'm trying my best to live there myself. He said in one sense is self-control. Teach them to be pure. Teach them to be keepers at home, caring for the house and working at home. And all the elderly ladies are saying, my brother Landon, don't get on that tonight. But to be keepers of the home is not necessarily doing the dishes and mopping the floors and vacuuming all of the rooms and folding all of the laundry. And that's not what scripture is referring to. While that is a part of keeping your home. Right here it means the watch or keeper of the house. The one that is there with the babies. The one that's there to disciple those little ones. The ones that are there to say good morning prayers and good night prayers with their babies. It's the one that watches a careful eye on their babies and and knows when their babies are sick. And knows when their babies are hurt. And knows the difference of the cries. It's that attentive mother that is the keeper at home. And taking care of household affairs. It is in fact that there is no greater task or responsibility and privilege in the world than to make a home. Just because you have four walls and a roof does not mean that you have a home. You may have a house. But there's a difference of somebody who has a house and somebody who has a home. It may well be that when women are involved in the 100 and wearing duties 
which involve children and a home which bring them. They may say, if only I could be done with all of this so I could truly live a life serving God. If I can get through all of these tasks so that I could serve God. If I could fix all the plates and clean all the bedrooms and take care of all the kids and then I can get into the house of God so I can really do what God has called me to do, then perhaps we've missed it completely. Barclay said the truth is that there is nowhere where a truly religious life can be better lived than within the home. He said there is no greater career that is needed more than that of a homemaker. It is infinitely more important that a mother be at home to put her children to bed and hear them say their prayer than that she should attend all of the public and church meetings in the world. Mothers, your involvement in your home matters more than you will ever realize. And Scripture is telling her, listen, young ladies, Listen to that elder. Listen to the one who's been there. Listen to how important it is. See the life that they live. Let them talk to you about some of the mistakes they made and how you don't have to make those same mistakes and the importance of being there for your family. He says, teach them to be good. That word good means useful or pleasant, agreeable, joyful, happy, upright and honorable. Teach her how to be these things. Teach them to be obedient to their husbands. Uh Uh-oh. This is not the abusive relationship where it's this man domineering and you better listen to me and you better do what I say to do. But rather it is a helpmeet that is coming along and yielding to her husband and say, I can serve you because I know who you're serving. I can submit to you because I know who you're submitting to. I've seen you praying, husband. I've seen you going to work and being faithful in your duties. And I've seen you submit yourself to God. So it's easy for me to get in line and submit to you and to trust you and and as the head of my home. And I can do that because I know the life that you've lived. And then he finally gets to the young men and he says he wants them to also be sober. He wants them to have a sound mind. He wants them to exercise self-control and to curb one's passion. In the younger years, there are more opportunities for a shipwreck life. And he's trying to talk to the young man. And he said, young man, you've got to have a sound mind. There's so many things for the elder men to do. And there's so many things for the elderly ladies to do and so many things for the young ladies to glean from the elders from and then he gets to the young man he's like just be soberly minded if you could just get a hold of yourself that's all i'm asking if you could just take your passions and curb them and if you could be in your right mind and and take care of yourself and exercise self-control then we've accomplished something All these others have all these to-dos. And he gets to the young man. He's like, just don't wreck your life. Don't get crazy. Don't mess it up. Perhaps because that is all a boy can keep up with is one thing at a time. Or perhaps because of the weight of the world that he will feel all around. And the responsibilities and the career that he's going to have to take. And the job that he's going to have to get to provide for his family. And there's all these other things that are going to be piled up and are going to be that unnecessary weight. 
And so he says, look, I promise you, if you would be of a sound mind, if you would be at a place where you could exercise self-control and learn how to take care of yourself, then I promise you everything else is going to turn out all right. If you could just get a hold of that concept, everything's going to be all right. It is with this that we find ourselves at verse 7. If this teaching is to be effective, all of these things that we've talked about to the elders, to the young ones, he said, if this is going to be effective, it has to be backed by the witness of your life. You don't get to just talk about it. You don't get to just listen to the preacher talk about it on a Wednesday night and make mental notes or write them down, but it's in the life that you live on a day-to-day basis. It is a pattern of good works. It is a pattern of every day you're attempting to do these things that you said you would do. It's not, well, Brother Landon talked about it on Wednesday night, so we knocked it out of the park on Thursday, but really fumbled the ball on Friday. No, it is a pattern of good works every day. We don't just wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to be sober-minded today. We wake up Friday and Saturday and Sunday. God, I've got to have a sober mind. I've got to have a right spirit. I've got to live right. I've got to live a life of holiness. I've got to live a life that is pleasing to you, God, every single day. He says, don't just show these pattern of good works. Make sure your motives are right. Make sure you're, you are sincere. Make sure you are really wanting to live a life that is pleasing to God. If you go through these things and these teachings and you're doing them just to have a checklist that you did all of these things and you can go to God and say, well, I did this. Well, you're no different than the rich young ruler who says, I've done everything all this says. I've, I've checked all the, the right boxes, but I'm still missing something. He said, it's more than a to-do list. You've got to come at it with a sincere heart and a sincere approach that says, I'm not just living this way as a checklist. I'm living this way because I want to be pleasing to you. I'm living this life because I want to please you in all that I do and that someday I might hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, elder, for continuing this life and having a pattern of good works. Men being led means that they will follow somebody. And the only way that will happen is if you show them in your own life that you're willing to do what you're asking them to do. Otherwise, you are driving men. You are pushing them to a place. Here, you need to go that way. And you need to go do this. And you need to go do that. And you need to go to an altar. And you need to repent. And you need to be baptized. But there has to be somebody that says, I'm not just going to require that of you, but I am willing to go do everything that I've told you to do. I'm willing to put my life on the line. I'm willing to step in and, and do this. Because I too have to have that pattern of good works. Nothing injures the cause of Christ more than when leaders and people who claim to be true Christians being a part of things and saying things that have conduct that is not consistent with godly living. That we claim that we've got a pattern of good works, but our conduct and our comments on Facebook and our snide remarks to people and our frown on our face and our gloom and doom attitude and Mm. 
Or we come into church on Sunday and, oh, bless God. And then Monday we walk in and what are you looking at? I thought you were at church yesterday. I thought you were full of the Holy Ghost. Then they start thinking, you're full of something, all right. But when you live a life every day like we're talking about here, it doesn't matter if you're at church It doesn't matter if you're at midweek service. It doesn't matter if you're at youth service. It doesn't matter if you're at Walmart or at the job. You're going to be the same person out there as you are in here. And that's the way it ought to be. I want to ask people sometimes, do you think that there is such thing as sin? Do you really acknowledge that there are things out there that are wrong? The way that people respond sometimes, it just has me scratching my head. And I'm not talking about worldly people. I'm talking about church people that sometimes I hear comments and see the way that they're living. And I'm thinking, do you not think that sin is a thing? Do you not agree that there is a heaven and hell someday that we've got to live right and make sure that we make it? There are some things I expect from the world, but when it happens in the church, it leaves me a little bit shocked. There's a pattern that I'm starting to see. Maybe you're, you've seen it too. And it, it just, everything looked good and then all of a sudden things got shifted and that pattern no longer looks as good as it once did. And that pattern has shifted and now it's all messed up and something needs to change. Sir, ma'am, we all have situations, we all have things we could use an excuse or a crutch. But if you are going to be a part of the body of Christ, then we've got to start living our lives that show a pattern of good works. We've got to make sure that we're getting it right and we don't mess up and we're not just pretending like nothing's there. I've said this before, but Sarah, when the twins were very little and Remington was born, she'd sit there and she'd crochet blankets and hats and I, I'd just look at it and think, man, I'd just have a big spider web if I tried to do something like that. And she'd just sit there and, man, she'd have this quilt going, this blanket that she'd be making and everything would be so nice and so pretty. And, and I'd look over there and she'd be sitting there all frustrated. She's three-fourths of the way done. And she says, oh, no. And I said, what? And she pointed way back at the top of the quilt where she had that pattern going. And about two or three rows down, she had made a wrong move. And it shifted everything. And so now what once was so good and so perfect and looked just right, now had shifted just enough where it had messed everything up. And you're sitting there and everything's right here and you can't see it like that until you take a step back and begin to assess the situation. And you see, I made a mistake somewhere. I messed up. Now at that point, a lot of us, we're three-fourths into it. We're thinking, you know what, I'll just, God's grace is sufficient. Amen. God will forgive me. The blood of Jesus can take care of all that, you know. But when she got to that place, it would have been very easy to just finish it off and leave it looking like a mess. It would have been very easy to finish that blanket and say, well, they're just babies. They don't care. They're not going to look at it and say, well, mom messed up on this. But she would know. And so I sat there and I watched in her frustration as she grabbed that string and went, 
And everything began to unravel. All the hard work, all the dedication, all the time spent there being undone. Because she said, I've got to, I said, what are you doing? She said, I've got to go back to where I messed up and I've got to fix it. Or it will never be what it's supposed to be. If we're going to live our lives, it's a pattern of good works. Then there's sometimes we have to stop and we have to step back and we have to take a look at our lives and say, something's, something's not right here. My attitude is not what it needs to be. And my spirit is out of line. And I, I've had some things and some struggles that I've been dealing with that are not my norm. And I, I need to take a step back for just a moment and I need to see what happened. And if you take a step back and you get to an altar and you pray, I promise you, without fail, God will speak to you. God will show you the error of your ways. God will tell you what happened and where it happened and when it happened. He'll put that in your heart and he'll give you the opportunity to say, okay, God, here we go. I'm undoing it all again because I'm, I want to get this right. I don't want to live a life that when somebody looks at it, they say, man, what happened? What happened here? What, what got messed up here? But I want them to see somebody that's willing to say, I'm not perfect. And I have made some mistakes and I've done some things that I'm not proud of, but I'm willing to unwind it all and go back to that moment so that I could fix this so that I could be that pattern of good works. You can say whatever you want to say, but there are people out in our world that are looking at our pattern. They're looking at our life every day. And the longer we live, the closer they're looking. They are looking for you to fail. They are looking for something that you do that they can tear all up on Facebook. They're looking for you to say something on live stream that they can get on and record and blast it everywhere and shame you. They're looking for every opportunity. And so we've got to make sure now more than ever that we are living a life of good works, that we are living a life that the pattern that God gave us, that we're following it every step of the way so that when they look, you can say, come, come see, come, come look at me. I've, I've lived a life according to his words and I've, I've made some mistakes, but I've tried to go back and fix those. I've tried to take care of that. He didn't say, tell them about your pattern of good works. He said, show them. Don't just talk to men about Christ. Show him to them. If there is a pattern of good works, then no doubt there is a pattern of bad works. First Kings 22 in the message says, Hezai, son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. He ruled Israel for two years. As far as God was concerned, he lived an evil life, reproducing the bad life of his father and mother, repeating the pattern set down by Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who led Israel into a life of sin. Worshipping at the Baal shrines, he made God, the God of Israel, angry, oh so angry. If anything, he was worse than his father. What happened? What happened was there was something that had been passed down to him. And he saw the error. He saw the sin and the issues. And he said, well, it's fine. We'll just roll with it. I know my dad didn't make the best choices, but it's all right. I'll just... And he continued in the pattern that was set before him. 
and he just continued living his life. And the Bible says, if anything, he was worse off than his father. All because he didn't go back and take care of that pattern. Galatians 6 in the message says, For my part, I am going to boast about nothing but the cross of our Master Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world. Set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into their little patterns that they dictate. I don't want to live a life like that. I don't want to be woven into their pattern and what they are doing. And by the cross, I can be set free of that. And by the cross and the blood of Jesus, I don't have to go down that pattern of evil works and and the things that they would like to get me involved in. And you say, well, it's just little patterns. It's just little things. It really doesn't matter. He said, oh, it does matter. And I don't want to be a part of it. I want to have a pattern of good works. I want to do something that's meaningful. Little patterns and little habits that we have picked up on the long way can end up making a huge difference in the end if we're not careful. In the message from Titus 2, it said, Your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older men into lives of temperance, dignity, and wisdom. Into healthy faith, love, and endurance. Guide older women into lives of reverence so they end up as neither gossips nor drunks, but models of goodness. By looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children, be virtuous and pure, keep a good house and be good wives. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of their behavior. Also, guide the young men to live disciplined lives. But mostly, show them all this by doing it yourself. Trustworthy in your teaching, your words solid and sane. Then anyone who is dead set against us, when he finds nothing weird or misguided, might eventually come around. Those people that are in your circle that you think, I will never win them. I'm never going to reach them. Those neighbors that see you every Sunday waking up, you think that they're not paying attention. They're looking out their window every Sunday. And they say, they are being faithful. They are continuing this lifestyle. When things are hard, they're still going to church on Sunday. When I know what they've gone through this week, they're still going to the house of God. They're the same way at home as I see them at church. I see them in the store and it's the same way I see them at an altar on Sunday. They are living a pattern of good works. And scripture says if you do that long enough and they continue to see you living that way long enough, then it won't be long before they start to look your way and say, man, maybe they're onto something. Maybe they have, maybe there's a reason they live blessed. Maybe there's a reason that they have joy and peace. Maybe there's a reason that when I'm around them, I feel the presence of God and I feel a peace like I've never felt before. And that happens when there's somebody that's willing to not only listen to these teachings, but says, I want to live a life that is a pattern of 
good works. I want to show others this isn't just something I say. This is a lifestyle that I live. This is who I am to the bone. I bleed this truth. I bleed this gospel. I love everything about the word of God. Let's all stand. Psalms 119, he says, you're blessed when you stay on course. Walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow His directions. Follow His steps. Walk after His pattern. He says, you God prescribe the right way to live. Now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady keeping to the course you set. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I learn the pattern of your righteousness, your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. I learn the pattern. In John 13, he says, if you had a bath in the morning, you only need your feet washed now and you're clean from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is holiness not hygiene. So now you're clean, but not every one of you, for he knew one was betraying him, and that's why he said, not every one of you. After he had finished washing their feet, he took his robe and he put it back on and went back to his place at the table. And then he said, do you understand what I have done to you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so. That is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, washed your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. And what I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it. And live a blessed life. He said, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do. What I've done, you do. The life that I've lived, that's the life I want you to live. If you see me loving somebody who shouldn't deserve that love then you should love that person that you think doesn't deserve that love. If you see me going out of my way to find the one, then you ought to go out of your way for the one. First Timothy 1 says, How be it for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. What does your pattern say about your life tonight? If you were to step away and and look from the outside and and take a look at your life, is there somewhere where you maybe got off track and you think it's too late and you're too far gone? Or is it an opportunity to say, you know what, God, before I leave tonight or when I wake up in the morning, God, I want to make sure that I'm living after you That there's a pattern of good works about me that I'm showing every day in the way that I lived. Do you pray or do you have a prayer life? Do you fast or did you simply forget to eat? Are you here because you are faithful or are you here just to see friends? Take a step back tonight and look at the pattern of your life as something 
gotten off track and you need to unwind it and say, God, before I leave this place tonight, God, I want to make sure that I'm living a life, not only a checklist of things to do, and I made it to Wednesday night church, and I prayed, and I I gave my tithes and my offerings, and I've tried to do all of these things that Scripture told me to do. But from here on out, may I wake up every day and say, God, is my life living according to your word? Have I messed up anywhere that I need to take care of? Have I truly shown others the life that I'm living and I declare that I live? Have I shown them that in my actions? Or have I simply just professed it with my mouth? God, I want to have a pattern of good works. God, I want you to help me tonight, God, that everything I do... God, point somebody back to you. God, that I would follow this blueprint and the pattern that you have set before me. God, and that if you gave your life and that you died on a cross and that you did all of these things, that I too would be obedient to that same pattern. God, I pray tonight that you would show each and every one of us, uh, God, where we are and what lies before us. Uh, God, you see each and every step, God, everything that you've asked of us and instructed us to do. God, I pray tonight that you would go with each and every one of us. God, and that we would live our life, God, as a pattern of good works. God, that it would just be the norm. It would be that routine. That it's not just habit, God, but it's something that I do because I love you. It's something that I do because I want to serve you. And I want to please you. God, though it may be at habit at first, that's all right, God. I want a prayer life. God, if it's got to be something that I just put on my calendar every day, God, let me do it until I get it and it becomes a part of who I am. God, challenge us tonight, God, to live a life for there are others that are looking our way. There are others, God, that are keeping their eye on us. And I pray, God, that though we're not perfect, that when they do look our way, they would see somebody who's been faithful, that they would see somebody who's been sincere, that they would see somebody who's consistently come into the house of God and continue living the life that was set before them from the very beginning in Jesus name in Jesus name amen amen live that life that is a routine it's a consistent way of living that healthy lifestyle that healthy faith that doesn't just happen by accident but it's some intentional part from me that says I want to live a life That when others do look our way, they're not weirded out, but they're drawn to something. That they see us be faithful. That when tragedy strikes and when something happens and they're looking our way to see, how are you going to respond when when trouble comes? How are you going to respond when the adversary attacks? How are you going to respond when your children run off and leave? And, And there's people that are watching and when they see that consistent pattern of good works, then eventually they're going to come around and they're going to ask you, how did you do that? How did you make it when your child left? How did you make it when you went through that storm? How did you, how did you do it all this time? And that's going to open the door for somebody to sit at your table and come in your house and you get to sit down and open the word of God and you get to share your testimony about what God has done for you in your life. 
Amen. Show somebody a pattern of good works. Amen. If there's a generational thing that's been passed down and that's what you have tonight, make up in your mind that you're going to start unraveling it. I'm going to go back to where I messed up. I'm going to go back to where my family messed up and where we got off track. Because if I keep going down this road, it's only going to get me further away from where I need to be. And I would hate to get all the way at the end and then somebody say, hey, you need to go back and fix that. Why not take the opportunity now and stop right now and say, God, if there's anything in my life, God, that's not right, if there's anything in my spirit that's not right, God, I want you to reveal that to me. God, and I want to go. Can we do that right now all over the house? Can we lift our hands? God, if there is anything in my life, God, that does not speak a good work. God, it does not share a beautiful story, a beautiful testimony. God, maybe it's not my fault. Maybe it was somebody else and this is just what's been passed down to me. And God, it's just part of my family, God. But let me see it tonight, God, that before I walk any further... Before I go another day, God, that my heart would be right and my spirit would be right. God, create in me a clean heart right now. Renew in me a right spirit this night. God, if I've got to be completely unraveled and start all over... God, you said that the clay was marred, and so you made it again another vessel. God, you started all over. Lord, if that's what I've got to do, God, I'll do it, because I want to be a pattern of good works. I want to show others how good you've been. I want to be a testimony of your faithfulness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God. Amen. Love somebody tonight. Let them know how thankful you are that they're here. Amen. Remember our announcements. Remember church this coming Sunday. Looking forward to what God's going to do. Amen. Have a wonderful evening. God bless you.